Welcome to Her Story Podcast. My name is Paige, and as my Genius Hour project, I'll be highlighting influential women in sports and the struggles or adversities that they have to face to bring their A-game. Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Her Story Podcast. My name is Paige, and today with me, I have Abigail Taylor, who is a UNC field hockey goalkeeper. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Hey, guys. I'm Abigail Taylor. Um, I'm a sophomore at UNC, and like Paige said, I'm a goalkeeper on the field hockey team. Um, I'm 19 and I study psychology. Lots of fun. Okay, so first we're going to start with my icebreaker questions. And those ones I don't put down on the questions regarding topics that I send to you. So it's like, you don't know what's coming. Okay. Um, what's your favorite pregame hype song or like a hype playlist? Ooh, um... My teammates and I listen to the big booty mixes before games, um, just like in the locker room. It's just like a good like mix of hype music and like songs that we all know. Um, yeah. What is your favorite pregame meal? Ooh, we get Purple Bowl. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's in Chapel Hill. It's like mm-hmm. a party place um, and they come to our field and basically do catering for us before most of our home games. That sounds so good. I actually haven't ever had an acai bowl before, but I really want to try one. Maybe when I'm up in you, up near Chapel Hill, I'll get one from yeah. there. And what's your – wait, hold on. I already asked that question. Sorry. I'm losing my mind. Just had a math test. Okay. Um, who was someone that you looked up to, like a other field hockey player growing up? Um, the goalkeeper for the English national team, her name's Maddie Hinch. She actually just retired, I think a few months ago, but she's been one of the best goalkeepers in the world for many, many years. And I think she's 30 now, which is pretty old for, you know, any professional athlete, but Mm -hmm. she has always been like a role model for me because she's just an incredible athlete. Um, and she sets a cool example for other goalkeepers because of how like fit she is she spends a lot of time in the gym um, and running to work on her fitness for goalkeeping which isn't always like emphasized for goalies Um, and she's played in three or four olympics um, and she's incredible awesome okay and if you would want to like explain your sports journey and how you got into sports you can go as in-depth or as not in-depth as you want to okay yeah um I feel like I've always been an athlete. Like growing up, I was always taller and stronger than everybody like in my grade. I was always the biggest person in my classes. Um, so I always played sports at like recess and stuff. And then once I hit middle school, actually, no, it was fourth grade, third or fourth grade. I started um, swimming year round and I was a club swimmer for seven years. Um, and I, I really loved it, but it gave me a lot of like anxiety with the individuality of swimming. It was just a lot of pressure and I wanted to be part of something that was more team oriented. Um, so I started playing field hockey in sixth grade because my older sister was a goalie. Um, my aunt, both of my aunts had been a goalie in college and I didn't really know anything about it, but I moved to a school where we had field hockey and I just started playing. And then at one point I was doing year round field hockey, year round swimming. And then 
basketball for my school and track and field for my school as well. I did shot put and discus for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, I was just always playing sports, but field hockey was like my favorite. I loved it so much. It felt like a, mm -hmm. a good fit for like my body type and just like all my passions were like fit together in field hockey. So eventually I, I focused on field hockey exclusively, like I'd say after eighth grade. Um, and then I played for a club down in Chapel Hill um, called Carolina All-Stars. And then after, <clears throat> after my sophomore year, I had committed to UNC um, to play here. And I decided, well, they asked me to graduate high school a year early. So I decided to move up to Pennsylvania um, to play for a better club team. So mm -hmm. I, skipped, I skipped my junior and senior year of high school uh, to play up in Pennsylvania. And yeah, now I'm at UNC. I was your age when you started playing field hockey. I didn't even like know what field hockey was. And it was just like really interesting to hear how you were able to get into a sport like that that is not unheard of, but it's like less common, especially in schools. Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely was kind of um, a kind of a crazy thing that I started playing in North Carolina because I had lived in uh, Boston for five years before I moved to North Carolina and I had never even heard of field hockey when I lived there. Um, but when I moved here, it was just getting started at the school that I moved to. And mm -hmm. honestly, it's still it's still pretty small in North Carolina, um, but it's growing all the time. And mm -hmm. I've had a bunch of really cool coaches that have been doing a ton of work to get the sport bigger basically in North Carolina. Um, but part of the reason I moved up to Pennsylvania for my last like year of high school is because the, the club that I moved to up there was just better competition, um, a little bit higher level so I could be prepared better to come to, to, to UNC. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mm. think it's also really impactful um, the way UNC like the impact that you guys are having on North Carolina, like UNC field hockey is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is awesome. And I think, I think one thing that's helped the sport to grow a lot in like this area too, is just like the outreach that my team has had to other young mm -hmm. players in the area. Um, we have a great privilege to be able to like influence a lot of young women here to play a, a cool new game and basically just like get community so it's cool mm -hmm. yeah that kind of leads us into the next question i have for us since you first began to show interest in women's sports or field hockey for your example um how have you seen the women's game change uh do you mean like field hockey in general or women's sports in general either one your choice well, I guess, I guess the importance that athletic programs put on women's sports, I've seen change in the last, just like the last few years, I guess, I've, as I've gone from high school to college, um, you know, all of the amenities that the men's teams have, we also have now. And it is probably because at UNC, we have the privilege of, you know, a lot of funding and being a public institution. Um, 
we have that privilege, but I think that UNC does a great job of creating equal opportunities for their men's and women's teams um, and creating equal opportunities as well with like media coverage and promotion um, and getting fans to come to games. Um, so that's something I've been really grateful for to just to be part of the UNC athletics because they do a really good job of creating equality. Yeah. Um, my mom has worked at NC State and UNC and Duke, and I've been able to see like up close, especially recently, um, all of the cool things that both like all three of the major universities do for their women's athletic programs. Um, and back in February when it was women's or like women in sports month or national women's in sports day, um, I was able to go to UNC where they had the athletic event and there were all the girls in the field house and stuff. And just seeing yeah. all of the young girls, like trying out all of the sports, it was so impactful to see that. Yeah. I remember that I was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a follow-up to the question I just asked, where do you hope to see women's sports or field hockey going in the coming years? Well, I would love for field hockey to be spread farther down south. Um, right now, there's no D programs past North Carolina. Um, we've got we've got California. We've got a little bit in the Midwest, but it's it's pretty much isolated to the East Coast. Um, and that's mm -hmm. mostly because it's a majorly European and Indian Asian sport. Um, so just the way that it's migrated from Europe to America, it hits the East Coast first. Um, and my hope is that we could get a division one program in South Carolina, Florida, Texas, any of those states. Um, and that would really help for field hockey to grow throughout the United States and not just like in one isolated area. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's very clear to me that you're very well read on the history of field hockey and the way you're just able to tell how it's progressed through the U.S. over the years. Um, but we talked a little bit about how you had to miss your last year of high school. Um, so were there things that you missed on growing up due to pursuing your sport? Well, when I was, you know, still in middle school and high school at like, you know, an organized place, I, I had to be in and out of school pretty often. I'd say more than like my other classmates, just because I, you know, had to travel for tournaments. I was part of the U.S. indoor team um, in ninth and 10th grade. So I had to leave every month to travel up to Pennsylvania and practice with the U.S. team. Um, and I'd say like when I had to move and leave my school, um, it was difficult, um, but I kind of had, I had my mind set on my goals like for field hockey since I was really young. Um, and it didn't feel like a lot of sacrifice leaving my high school because that's what I wanted to do. You know, it was my decision. Um, and I knew that it would get me to, to the place that I wanted to be in the future. Um, I do, the one thing that I, that I did miss that I do regret a little bit or wish that I could have done was go to prom. 
um, and graduate, you know, with my with my classmates because I had to be I had to be homeschooled and I did like college courses. So I was like completely virtual for those last couple of years after COVID. And I graduated in my backyard with my family. And obviously it was sweet. They did an amazing job to like make me feel special, but it's, I feel like graduating with your, with your class is like a special thing that you don't ever forget. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I'm about to go into high school this coming fall and I'm already looking forward to like prom and graduation with my classmates that I've been with. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, and since you moved to Pennsylvania, you were there and you knew that you wanted to play in college and you were going to play in college. How do you feel like your expectations of playing collegiately compare to the reality of it? Honestly, I don't, I don't think I really had a lot of expectation for it because I had no idea. I've, I'm the first person in my family to ever go to college for sports. So it was a very like kind of just unknown area that I was jumping into. I knew that it was what I wanted to do because I, you know, have always wanted to be successful at the highest level with athletics. Um, so it was, I was never like questioning like, oh, do I really want to do this or not? Um, but when I got here, I think that I was not necessarily expecting the mental challenge, emotional and mental challenge that like college athletics is. Um, so that, that took a lot of adjustment for me. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I think I am extremely grateful for that period of adjustment that I had to go through because I am now mentally stronger, emotionally stronger than I've ever been. And like, that's just something that I can continue to grow, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's really important the way in the past couple of years that mental health, mental health issues in college athletics and in professional athletics has come to light. I think it's so important that people are realizing that it's not just um, draining your body. It's like draining mentally, not necessarily draining, but it's like impacting you mentally as well. And I don't think people realized how important the mental side of the game was until a lot of reports and things of like the yeah, bad side of it came out. Yeah, no, I agree. I think sport is 90% mental and, you know, some coaches, some coaches understand that some coaches don't. Um, what I've found is that you have to take, responsibility for your mental and emotional health um, at the same at the same level as you do your physical health when you're an athlete um, especially I struggle with mental mental illness mental health a lot um, that's something that's at the forefront of my mind so I've had to take personal responsibility for that because it impacts my performance it impacts my my happiness my day-to-day -day life um, so that's been one of the biggest like you know journeys and difficult things that I've been going through in college. Um, but it's something that I'm proud of. Yeah, and I think it definitely shows um, based off of the performances that you've been able to put out, like you are dealing with these mental things, but you're also using them to propel you forward. And you're still 100% able to be successful with other things going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I know 
the UNC news the past couple of months has been blowing up over the coaching change between Karen Shelton and Aaron Matson. Can you just walk us through what this coaching changeover period has been like for you as a player, not necessarily just an onlooker? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess Aaron and I have always been friends. We were we were teammates for two years before she became our became our head coach. Um, but she was always like a huge leadership, you know, m- role on the team. Um, so I feel like if it were to be anybody to become the coach, you know, from player to coach pipeline, it would be Aaron. Um, she just has like mm-hmm. a really natural maturity um, and really like a great ability to rally people behind a common goal. Um, Like when we were playing for the Natty, playing in the final four last year, she, I feel like was able to just instill a sense of confidence in every teammate. Um, And that is the same approach that she takes now in her coaching. Um, So I've really enjoyed it. I think most of my team enjoyed it and it's it's been pretty simple because we're used to her as a leader you know yeah um okay i'm trying to figure out my next question (laughs) um you mentioned in that statement a little bit about the national championship and the final four could you just walk us through what that season was like for you and being able to get to the national championship and win it all Sorry, I you were cutting out a little bit. I didn't hear you. Oh, no, you're all good. Um, so you mentioned in that statement a little bit about the national championship in the final four. Could you just walk mm-hmm. us through your undefeated season and the national championship win? Yeah, so I feel like last season it was a little bit of a blur just because every, <clears throat> every season is like that. You're traveling so much and – you know, we always take it one game at a time. We say the, the most important game is the next one. Um, and that's how I feel like we approached the whole season. Like we were undefeated, but every single win was a strategic thought out. You know, we had an, a, a specific approach to every single game. It wasn't just, you know, going into it thinking, oh yeah, of course we're going to win. It was, you know, we know that we're going to find a way to win if we have to. Um, And like I said before, Aaron did an incredible job of like rallying everyone behind that common goal. Um, So every game that we went into is like, you know, we know we're good. We know that we have the skills to um, really play well against this opponent, but how are we going to win? How are we going to beat them? Um, And that took a lot of time and effort to structure our play around, you know, what are the other teams, what are the other team's strengths, what are their weaknesses, and how can we use that to our advantage? Um, And then, you know, I think that's how we became undefeated. Um, And then the final four was just like, just like any other game during the season, it was like, we, we were there, and we had made it that far, we wanted it so bad. And everybody knew that it was Aaron's last season. We knew that it was coach's last season as head coach. Um, and I think it was just like going into it. It was, it, we just had to win, you know, there was no mm-hmm. other option. And Aaron in the end <sighs> pulled it out 
to get the final goal in the national championship. And like, I feel like that was just the cherry on top for her incredible career, being able to get that last touch in the national championship mm -hmm. game. Like it was just perfect. Um, but every player last season, you know, made that decision for themselves to bring their best in every game, bring their best in every practice. Um, and we were very, we were very intentional about our mindset, how we were going to structure our goals. Um, and yeah, I was really proud of our team. I think we did an incredible job mentally and, you know, in preparation to get to where we wanted to go. Yeah, and I think it's so vital the way that you talked about all of the things that went on behind the scenes. And it's not just like the game that happens on the field. The game happens off the field and it continues to happen off the field. It happens in the yep. locker room. It happens in the dorms because all of that is mentally preparing yourself for the game. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's so important, especially as like collegiate athletes, that you already have the maturity level to be able to focus in that much on your games while also not like hyper-focusing on it where you can't think of anything else. Yeah, well, that's where that like mental piece of the game comes in that you, you just have to separate sometimes like the game from your emotions. Um, I tend to be a really emotional person in general. Um, and I used to think that it was like a, a weakness when it came to sports. And now I've learned to like harness it to my advantage when I need to um, and put it to good use on the field, you know? Yes. And it clearly worked. <laughs> you guys came out victorious and it was very fun. I'm, I wasn't able to watch the game live, like, on TV or anything, but I remember seeing the celebrations posted on the UNC Athletic pages, and it just looked like you guys had so much fun. Um, but something on the other side of sports is how much you travel, and especially for a sport like field hockey, where not much happens in a state like North Carolina, so you're constantly traveling. Where's one of the coolest places that you've been able to travel because of your sport? I think uh, last season we went to California. We played um, UC Berkeley and Stanford in one weekend. And I think we were there for four or five days, um, but we went to San Francisco. We went to uh, one of the hotels we stayed at was like a resort, like on a Harbor. Um, and that was really beautiful. Um, I loved seeing San Francisco. I was able to actually meet up with some of my family that lived in California. Um, and that's, that's actually the first time I had been to California, um, since I was like, like a baby. So that was cool. Um, I was supposed to go to Belgium and South Africa with the U S team. Um, and then COVID hit, everything was shut down. So that, that was canceled, but I was supposed to go there. <laughs> That would have been pretty awesome for sure. Yeah. I think that's the one of my favorite parts of sports is traveling with your teammates. Even if it's a short distance, like 45 minutes down the road, it's still like you're still going to make all of those super special memories that you can look back on and be like, not only was the game worth it, but these moments that I shared with all of these people was so worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of like the headlining question that I've been using, I've asked it every single episode that I've done so far. Um, I asked people what 
some of the adversities that they've had to overcome as a female athlete is. And a lot of the times people like, not a lot of people have been able to give like a straight answer. Um, And I think it's important that they, because they're not able to give an answer. And I think that's a good thing that they haven't experienced something specifically as a female athlete um, Mm -hmm. that has been like hindering to their performance or to their experience. But have there been any adversities that you've had to overcome as a female athlete? Um, I think that, I don't know if we would necessarily call this an adversity, but I've always struggled with, um, you know, body image in relationship to sport. I think that female athletes a lot of the time are put under this, put under this or inside a box, right? Like what a female athlete is specifically supposed to look like not even like specific to any sport, but just female athletes in general, whereas male athletes are expected to look different depending on what their strengths are supposed to be for their sport. Right. So like offensive linemen are going to look different than um, a sprinter or a long distance runner. Um, Just like those people are going to look different, different than a lacrosse player or a swimmer. Um, And I think for male athletes, I don't, see them struggling as much with body image and thinking like oh am I is my training going to put me in the right place for you know how I want to look rather than what suits my performance right um and I've always been bigger I've always been tall um I've always been really strong and being on a field hockey team um the field players look a lot different than the goalies that's just always how it is Um, and in my experience at UNC, I've been through two seasons now, two spring seasons where I've been the only goalie. Um, and I'd say that's been the most difficult thing for me to get through as a female athlete is just like reminding myself that my body is suited for my sport and my body is not necessarily suited for societal expectations of what I should look like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I've come to that conclusion after a lot of time. Um, and I'm thankful that like, I recognize it now and it's not necessarily the forefront of my mind all the time anymore. Um, but that used to be something that I really struggled with that I feel like male athletes aren't put under the same criticism. Yeah. That, and I think it's also important because like you said, male athletes aren't put under the same criticism, but it's because I feel like they're, it's more regular, like regular, normal, it's more normalized for them to look the way they're supposed to for their sport. And because there are so many male athletes and because Americans and people in general have gotten so used to seeing male athletes, they've been like, oh, well, this is how they're supposed to look. This is what a male athlete who plays this sport looks like. Whereas women's sports, is just getting to the forefront of the media like they're just starting to break that barrier and they're just starting to be seen that way and then people are like wait but this isn't how we think women are supposed to look but it's because they're supposed to look that way for what they're doing and for their job um and i think it's really impactful the way that you've been able to um overcome that challenge mentally and be like well i look this way because this is what i do and I'm okay with that. And it doesn't matter that other people aren't, but it's because 
I'm okay with that and that I want to look this way for my sport because I love playing my sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I just finished up all of my questions. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really fun. Um, yeah, congratulations on last season. I hope you guys are able to be successful this fall. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Of course.